Hey Dragons, welcome to episode 29 of the Dumbbells and Dragons podcast. I feel like it was so soon, I feel like I spoke to you guys two days ago, on Monday maybe. Anyways, this episode is with Tom Albanese from the indie short film Charming. Charming is just, it's 15 minute short, great film, uh, kind of shows the other side of the corn, coin of the uh, fairy tale stories we all know and love. So be sure to check that out. Uh, as usual, links are in the show notes. And there is talk about hopefully putting this Making Charming into a full length. So we will definitely keep you posted on all that information. Anyways, again, as usual, everyone, if you are not following me on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, please do so. Every new follower I get to Twitter does get a personalized video message from me, as well as please use that social currency, tell people about the podcast, rate and review me on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. Anyways, thank you guys so much for listening. It's always a pleasure bringing you this new content. I love you guys. I love the feedback. Uh, talk to you soon. Workout nerd out. In the basement rolling dice. Rolling dice. I'm a wizard. When we play, we do it right. Candles flicker. Fighting dragons in my mind. In my mind. Just for kicks. DM says you're gonna die. Roll a D6. Hey Dragons, welcome back to the Dumbbells and Dragons podcast where we mix nerd and fitness culture to break down barriers. Today I have two special guests. One is a blogger you all know and love, Rachel Bolin. She is here to help me on today's episode as my co-host. And ladies, contain yourselves. We have Prince Charming himself, Tom Albanese. Writer, director, producer, editor, star, amazing Prince Charming from the short Charming. I'm not going to lie, man. I think you are more of a triple threat than Hugh Jackman. (laughs) (laughs) Kenneth, I don't think I'm ever going to get a better introduction in my entire life. (laughs) (laughs) Excellent. I aim to be the top. (laughs) Thank you very much for having me. Oh, thank you for being here. Are you having a good day? Absolutely, yeah. Can't complain so far. How about you? Oh, no complaints, man. It's beautiful, beautiful sunny day here in sunny, sunny Southern California. Yes, it is. All right. So, Rachel, why don't you tell us how you came across Charming, and then, Tom, tell us a little bit about what Charming is. Sure. So, I um, was asked by you, our fearless leader, to watch some of the short films from the Holly Shorts Film Festival um, that was in LA and they were awesome and had a lot of the short films available online. So people who are not in the LA region, such as myself, um, could watch those movies. Um, and so I watched a lot <laughs> and I watched almost all of them in this, in the science fiction fantasy category, um, which charming was in because it's, um, based on a fairy tale. And I really love this movie. Um, and it was one of my favorites um, because it was really fun. It was funny and it was lighthearted um, and, but still told a good story. And um, you know, for better or worse, a lot of the sci-fi short films were kind of like doom and gloom and 
very bleak. And I love those type of stories, but it was really nice and refreshing to watch the short film and just, you know, feel good after watching it. <laughs> Tom, tell us about Charming. Uh, well, Charming is a short film and it follows Prince Charming as he recounts his disastrous search for true love. So what it does is it combines and weaves together a bunch of fairy tales uh, and classic fairy tale characters that we all know and are familiar with, and it puts them into Prince Charming's own original story. So it tells, you know, why Prince Charming was running around kissing all these princesses uh, and what happens after the prince and princess go off into the sunset. Okay. And how did you come up with the idea? Well, it started actually a long time ago. Uh, I was going to school in New York at the time at the Neighborhood Playhouse, and I was in a musical of Into the Woods, and I played Cinderella's Prince. Uh, and I had such a blast playing that character. <clears throat> I kind of wanted to, you know, figure out who who this Prince Charming guy was. And I was really shocked, besides, like, Shrek uh, and a couple other uh, stories where he has more of a supporting role, there had never been an original like feature length movie or even story dedicated to telling, you know, Prince Charming's tale. So what I did along with my friend, Christopher Jones, who we uh, write screenplays together, we wrote a feature film called Charming, which uh, basically was that combining a bunch of different fairy tales together. Uh, we ended up optioning the script to a production company out in Los Angeles. <clears throat> and it kind of stalled in production for a while. We developed it with them a little bit. Uh, and eventually we got the rights back to the script because it didn't move into production. Uh, and at that point, I was just kind of like, well, before I go out and hope somebody else makes it, what if I just took the resources and friends and supportive family that I had and kind of, you know, just went for it and made a short film out of it. Okay. So it, is there or were there plans to make this more of a feature at, at one point, a full length? Yeah, absolutely. I think that's always been the goal. Uh, I've always wanted to make this into a feature film. We have a script that's, you know, completed for the feature film that I adapted the short film from. Uh, and yeah, that's always been the goal. So really with this is I hope, you know, somebody sees it, somebody catches the idea from it and takes interest in making a feature film out of it because we have a script that, uh, I think is very funny. I think it's very commercial and I think it, uh, is very appealing to a lot of people wondering, you know, who this Prince Charming guy is and giving his own story. Yeah, and I think actually nowadays we are in this period of cinema where we are getting all these alternative tales mm -hmm. to stories we all know and love. Um, we're, you know, Maleficent, and I want to say we're also focusing maybe a little bit more on villains. Yeah, like, absolutely. You know, Suicide Squad got their movie. Um, I'm trying to think of anything else. I already mentioned Maleficent. But I definitely think there are – there is a market for those films that show us the other point of view of stories we already know. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's very that's very true. I mean you look at all the <clears throat> spinoffs that are happening too. Like even with things such as Star Wars, they're you know spinning off from the original uh, trilogy and movies to focus on other characters – uh, it's about, I really think a big thing with the industry, it's about telling a new story 
but having some familiarity there for the audience so that they're, you know, it's not as much of a risk for the studios and everybody. Uh, and they still have that built in hook. It's going to get people to show up at the, at the movie theaters. Yeah. Excellent. I, I totally agree on that one. And why you were working on into the woods and I'm, I'm familiar with that show, mm-hmm. but was there anything else that drew you to charming? Was there any, like, did you relate to him growing up as a kid? Anything along those lines? What I what I related to uh, was I, I love uh, rom coms. I'm like a sucker for '90s Hugh Grant rom coms, uh, <laughs> and I always related to that guy who could never get the girl that he wanted to get, and always, you know, was was just uh, you know would get his heart broken and all that. Uh, and what really kind of connected me. To Prince Charming was like, well, what if this guy was like the princesses and he just wanted to live happily ever after? You know, what if uh, he's a guy just trying to do his best, trying to please his parents, um, and he's just having a tough time being Prince Charming and living up to that name, which is Charming. So I thought that gave kind of like a little, little bit of a different hook on it as opposed to this guy just who thought he was the best. It's more of a guy trying to be the best, trying to live up to his namesake. Excellent. And go, Rachel, do you have something? Oh, I did have something. Um, so, Tom, I wanted to say that you have a really terrific cast in this movie, um, but I want to know how you found uh, the young man who plays Gus, because he's so great. Yeah. Um, you know, I, kid actors are kind of hit or miss, um, and he's he was spot on, and he was just adorable and... Um, he really was a highlight. Oh, he was absolutely wonderful. And he, uh, it was amazing that we were able to find him. That, that day of casting was unbelievable. It was myself and two of my co-producers in the room. Uh, and it was funny seeing, you know, 10 to 15, uh, six, you know, to nine year olds who all look like you a little bit. Uh, so <laughs> these kids are all, uh, coming in one by one. And, uh, he came in and he was just, he, he, you kind of knew right away because you needed that that innocence to it, you know, to a guy, to somebody who could really not understand why Prince Charming wouldn't be able to, to live happily ever after. Um, and he really, once he delivered that line and and all that, it was uh, it was kind of kind of we were, we were sold on it. He was he was amazing and uh, so happy we were able to find him. I also really like um, that. The, the movie's very funny, obviously, but it, there's also some self-aware humor in it. Uh, mm-hmm. One of my favorite lines is w- when you're talking to Gus and uh, you make some reference about, wouldn't you rather hear something like, I don't know, the Frozen story? And I just <laughs> thought like, that's, that's so clever to sort of, you know, it's it's almost sort of meta in the sense that like you're acknowledging, um, you know, the universe that you're working in. Uh, and then even as you move on and, and some of the characters that you encounter, you know, with their ridiculous beards they were great (laughs) (laughs) yeah exactly we um well with that it was it was tricky because we didn't have uh the budget to you know make this exactly you know like a hollywood production to have everybody be living in a fairy tale we didn't have the budget to make the costumes uh and and the um locations you know look like they're out of lord of the rings uh so we kind of we needed a little bit of self-aware humor to it um, and I remember with the, with the frozen thing, I was actually talking to Joey, one of our co-producers, uh, we were spitballing like all these fairy tales, like Hercules and all that. 
And then we were just like, well, well, screw it. Why don't we just say frozen? Why don't we just <laughs> have some fun with it and just start, you know, knowing that this is kind of made with a wink and a nudge. Um, so yeah, it worked out. It was funny. Well, that's excellent. And it's those, it's those self-referential moments almost breaking the fourth wall, but it's just yeah. kind of like in a, you know, in a little bit of an aside that kept me engaged the entire way through. And you're talking about how you didn't have that much of a budget. Mm-hmm. A, what do you mean? Not everyone gets Peter Jackson's budget? <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, no, surprisingly, I wish. If everybody could get Peter Jackson's budget, uh, there'd be a lot more <laughs> expensive movies being made. Um, uh, no, yeah, what what I did is I raised um, about $1,000 from Indiegogo, which was mainly uh, Amazing Family and Friends. And then I spent... Another three, I'm giving away my budget here, but who cares, uh, out of, <laughs> out of my own pocket. So that was great. But we, but the, the best part about it was everybody in the film are friends, except for Lucas, who's a friend now, but we cast him during that process. Everybody else I knew I'd gone to school with, I lived with, I had known out here. They're all actors. Some of them aren't actors, uh, and it was just amazing how some of these people were just these characters. Like my friend Carla is Cinderella. Uh, my friend Patty, uh, she's not, you know, a witch, but she has this kind of <laughs> she has this kind of like goofiness to her that just worked perfectly with the role. And we just threw a ton of makeup on her, and she was amazing being so patient with all that makeup. Um, but yeah, we it was it was amazing what we were able to do on such a tiny budget. Yeah, it was it was really incredible. So and I- oh, go ahead, Rachel. Well, I was no, no. You go ahead because I was going to go on another tangent. So you go, Kenny. Oh, even though you did it on such a shoestring budget, I never once saw it as low budget. And oh, cool. Yeah, the I I never lost. I was never unengaged because I was like, oh, that's a cheap effect, or oh, that's not fictionally accurate. Yeah, that's not fairy tale accurate. It, it nothing in it took me out of the moment. And oh, that's that's cool. Yeah, I really thought that it was. It's an testament to how well done the uh, the short was, but also mm. a testament to the commitment from everybody involved. Yeah, that's that's amazing. You felt like because you know, looking, I've seen the thing hundreds of times. So of course, my my uh, my eye uh, always gravitates toward the things that technical things that probably nobody's going to notice, but I've just seen it so many times. I notice it. Uh, but yeah, that's great. And I think what helped that too is, uh, telling it with a little bit of a wink and a nudge and like almost breaking the fourth wall at times. I think that really helped it. Um, and kind of, you know, the audience knowing, you know, what it is off the bat. And I'm also happy that, you know, maybe you're just focusing on the story and that's what drew you in. Well, I actually thought the costumes were really great. You had made a comment earlier about, um, you know, not having a budget for certain things, but, um, but I, I thought all the costumes looked really good. And, oh, awesome. and that, yeah. Um, especially like the princess costumes. I don't know. I mean, to me, it was just like, this is just, you know, another Disney movie with Disney princess yeah, costumes. That's fantastic. Yeah. Uh, my friend Irving Green, who, uh, I used to, we used to work together. He, did this thing at work. Uh, this is when we were waiting tables together. Uh, every Halloween, he would do 30 days of dress up. Um, 
he might have trademarked that, so nobody tried to steal that. Uh, <laughs> and uh, what he would do is every day he would come in dressed as a different uh, character. Um, and some of it was just unbelievable. He came in dressed as Maleficent one time, and it was like – it was unbelievable. Uh, so he started doing all that. And then when I was doing this, I was like, Irving – he was actually the first person I met with about this. I was like, Irving, uh, I'd love for you to do these costumes uh, and this and the makeup uh, for this. And he just did a – an amazing job running around, getting all the stuff together. Um, so yeah, I got to bow down to him. He was fantastic. Yeah. And coming from, I, I actually just got back from a, uh, a comic convention this weekend and it's, it's really amazing what you can put together, either costume for movie wise or cosplay wise on minimal investment. Yeah. That's so true. I mean, you go out, if you like, you look on Amazon and try to buy costumes, they're so expensive. But if you run out to, you know, costume shops, which is what he did, and uh, he made some stuff, he put stuff together, it was just done on an unbelievable budget. And as uh, as you guys are saying, that ended up looking very, very good. So it's, it is amazing what you can do on a budget. I wanted to kind of segue more into a little bit about you, how you got started, what what drove you to get into this business? Well, uh, I always wanted to make movies since I was a kid. Uh, at first it was, I wanted to be a professional quarterback in the NFL. Um, <laughs> but when I didn't get taller than five foot 10, uh, I kind of realized <laughs> that that probably wasn't going to happen anytime soon. So, uh, I started writing screenplays when I was, God, I was like a sophomore in high school and I was looking through one of them with a friend the other day and they're absolutely hysterical. They're so funny, but they're just awful screenplays. There's like the story is all over the place. They're hilarious, but uh, they're terrible. And at the time we thought we, they were the best thing in the entire world. We like we sent one to Judd Apatow's production company in the mail thinking that they were going to hang it up on their wall and we were going to be, you know, the next Jonah Hill and Michael Sarah. Um, that's fantastic <laughs> and then, and then like two weeks later we got it set back uh in the same envelope with like a letter saying they don't take unsolicited material and i think my friend chris still has that letter which is pretty amazing <laughs> uh so then after that we kind of realized we should probably read some books <laughs> so we read books about story structure all that kept writing kept writing kept writing and then i went to school at the neighborhood playhouse in new york city and that was for acting so I studied theater there for two years before I moved out to Los Angeles. And at that time, I think I was, I just turned 22. Uh, so I moved out to Los Angeles then. So really writing and telling stories is always what I wanted to do. I focused in the business of acting for a while, really trying to get seen when I was uh, a couple years ago. And I, it was just very jar jading and, uh, and like jarring to me. Um, and I just wasn't having fun going into a room and talking about myself. I'd much rather go into a room and talk about an idea or a story. That's really what I kind of realized I love doing. So I kind of, at that point, kept writing. We sold Charming, uh, was kind of, I mean, that got stuck in the, at the production company for a year. We got the rights back. And then after that happened, after we got the rights back to that is when I kind of realized I had met so many great people out here, so many talented people out here that were going through the exact same experience and circumstances that I was going through. We just weren't getting into the doors that we wanted to get into. 
Uh, and it was, it didn't make any sense why we were all just hoping somebody else was going to advance us to the level we wanted to get to instead of working together and helping us all, you know, get to the level we wanted to get to. So that's what happened with charming. We worked together on that. Uh, a couple of friends and I shot a comedy series together. We've been working on other projects. And since then, like the past two years, since we started doing that, uh, it's just been an absolute blast in telling these stories. I just, I love that because that is, you realized you couldn't get in the right doors, so you created your own. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly it. That's and that's awesome. Yeah, it's amazing. And, and a lot of people, uh, it, it takes a lot more effort to do that, and it's a lot scarier to do that because, of course, you're going to fail on a bunch of levels. Uh, and I guess, I think people are afraid of failing on a much more public level now, Um but you just got to keep working until you, you know, you got to get your stuff out there. You got to keep working and working and working. You're not going to be Steven Spielberg after the first thing you do. Um, uh, so, yeah. Well, right. And I think, and I think creative people also, when you're putting your works out there, of course, everybody's scared that like someone's going to come back to you and say this thing that you love, this idea that you are so attached to is actually terrible. Right. I think, and that's, that's just, it's such a scary concept. I think a lot of people have this idea, you know, what I'm thinking in my head is so great. I'm going to, I'm going to send it out into the, into the world, right? I'm going to send it to Judd Apatow and it's just going to be picked up and it's going to be, that's my big break. Um, and, uh, I, I'm a lawyer in my real life, but I write on the side. And so I know exactly what you're talking about. And, you know, I mean, it's, it's so hard to put your work out there. Um, but it's, I mean, that's what you have to do. You have to collaborate with other people who are in the same position as you are and, you know, make your own path. Yeah, I 100% agree with that. And I think, um, you know, knowing that not everything you make is going to be perfect is okay. I mean, nothing nothing you make is going to be perfect. Um, everybody's going to find flaws with something. But I think it's it's getting to that level where, you know, if you write something – you you're able to send it to somebody to get notes on it and to get opinions on it. Take what you think can be improved and then don't listen to what you don't think, you know, works. Uh, I think a lot of people get caught and I certainly used to as well, would just get frustrated when whatever you wrote wasn't good enough or when there was a problem with this or a problem with that. Uh, and I think you, you can kind of get stuck in a rut because of that. And that's certainly, I've felt that way too. So it's, it's taking, yeah. it's, it's learning to, to work with other people and taking, you know, notes and, and then not using what you might not think is valuable. Right. And I think it, there's a maturity that comes with acknowledging that somebody can have a critique of your work and it's not a critique of you and mm. that, um, you know, you, you should take other people's criticisms and and the advice that people give you and it doesn't mean that you're bad at this and it doesn't even necessarily mean the work is bad it just means that there are areas upon which you need to improve which is true of everyone um but it's it's still a really scary thing to do of course it's very scary because it's your work you know it comes from it it comes from you it's your work yeah well i'm i'm one of those people um i'm fairly new to the to the podcasting world this is probably going to be uh, episode 30-ish. Mm. And, mm-hmm. and so I am constantly trying to get feedback from listeners about what I can improve, what I can do. And 
it's sometimes it's hard to get that constructive criticism, especially with the internet, when sometimes your comments are, dude, this sucks. <laughs> oh, right. <laughs> and I'm, and I'm just like, I'm just like, that doesn't help anything. Exactly. Like, of course. Like, I'm sorry you think it sucks, but something tells me that most things in your life you feel that way about. Yeah, of course. I mean, that doesn't that doesn't help anybody, you know. If if it's your podcast, if it's your script, if it's whatever. If somebody just says, "Dude, that sucks," it's like, "Great, man!" Like, thank you. <laughs> like, if you're gonna give me criticism here, at least make it constructive. Yeah, g- uh, give me something I can work with. Exactly, exactly. Right. But yeah, I mean, that's. I mean, you go on the internet. That's there's so many people, you know, Twitter now or comment boards or whatever, just looking to feel better about themselves by putting somebody else down. So. <laughs> Yeah, it's yeah. oh, let's let's get off that topic. <laughs> no, um, you you mentioned earlier that you were a big fan of rom coms. So yeah, what is your favorite rom com? My favorite rom com. Uh, my favorite rom com. I would classify it more as a comedy, but Forgetting Sarah Marshall might be might be one of my favorites. My other uh, love actually. I love. Oh, that's a good one. Um, Both great picks. And yeah, I'd say those two. I know I'm forgetting one, but uh, those two would probably be my top two. See, now I gotta. The next question is obviously, what is your favorite storyline from Love Actually? Oh, that's a good one. That's a great question. It's um, a hard question. Disagree. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> all right, we're all gonna say our favorite storylines from that. Yes. Uh, I think I would go with. I really like Liam Neeson and his son. I, I really like that one. Yeah, that is is definitely up there. It's definitely in probably my top two or three. What's what's your favorite? My favorite is um, Rockstar and his manager. Oh yeah, that's so. Oh, that good. is a good one. I'm just <laughs> I'm just like he leaves Elton John's party and he's just like the person I'm actually in love with is you. Oh, it's so good. <laughs> oh, it's so good. <laughs> Rachel, what's yours? Mm, I don't know. This is a really... I think this one's tough. I like both of those. I actually really like the Laura Linney storyline, even though it's so sad. But because mm. it's... it's, She realizes that, you know, she can't have Carl, the hot guy from work, but she has her brother, and that's a different kind of love. And that always makes me really sad, but I don't know. I get all warm and fuzzy inside when she, like, goes to visit her brother at the end at the hospital. It makes me really that storyline actually makes me really angry. <laughs> I know it's really polarizing, and we have we I've gotten into fights with my family about that storyline. No I can't remember this one. It's so Laura Linney loves uh, hot Carl from work, and um, Alan Rickman, her boss, like tells her to go for it, and of course she won't. She's all flustered around him. Oh yeah, she has the brother who's in the um, I believe a mental hospital. And he's having an episode when she's trying to hook up with hot Carl and she has to leave him and go to the, the hospital to be with her brother. Mm-hmm. And I remember this one. Why I'm so angry at it. It's because at no point does she have a conversation with Carl about her situation. And guess what? If Carl is the great guy, we all know he is. He's going to be understanding. Okay. I, do we know Carl's a great guy? A- yeah, I don't think he was a great guy, though. Was he a great guy? I think he is. I think he's just good looking. 
And as we know, all good-looking people are great people. <laughs> yeah, that's a proven fact. I mean, Chris Scott, of course, great guy. <laughs> um, yeah, there's so many good storylines. I got to rewatch that now. At least yeah. Christmas is coming up. Every Christmas we watch that. That and Die Hard. Oh, yeah. Those are like <laughs> Die Hard's the classic Christmas movie. It's all about family. It's such a good movie regardless. Alan Rickman in both of those. How about that? Yeah. Oh. yeah. And now I'm sad again. I know. Uh-huh. Um, so, Tom, what are your favorite areas outside of rom-coms of nerdiness? What are just some areas like if you need to get away from the movie business for a little bit, what do you do? Ooh, what do I do? Uh, I've been so immersed in like movies <laughs> recently. Um, well, to spit it on you guys, I... Uh, I haven't worked out recently, but in like the past, like before the past year when I've just been, uh, driving myself into the ground with all this, um, I worked out like a ton. I, I know that's a, that's a big thing with, with your podcast, yeah. but I was, uh, I would go on like bodybuilding.com and, uh, print out all of these famous actors, <laughs> uh, like workout regimens, like Hugh Jackman and, uh, Gerard Butler and all this. And I, I would just go crazy with them. Um, I got to get back into it because that is when I felt the most amazing, uh, probably of my whole life. Uh, but yeah, that's something that I enjoy to do. I just need to make more time for it. I guess. You and I are on the same pages in that I've been so swamped with other things that I've, that's definitely taken a backseat. But speaking of movie star workouts, I have hmm. the workout that Christian Bale did for the dark Knight. No way. I will send that to you because it, I see the most improvement at the end of four weeks when I do it. Um, and it just, it, it destroys me every time I go to the gym, like in that good feeling way. Is it a, uh, what is it? Is it like a, is it like a circuit thing? It's, it's not a circuit. It is, it's weightlifting focused on each, um, muscle group independently. So you got your chest and your biceps, triceps, back. Uh, shoulders, legs, but it, it isolates a bunch of muscles and it's just, it's not a circuit, but you do just group of sets of workouts. Mm. Oh, cool. And then it, it throws on a decent amount of cardio. So not only are you building up all this muscle, but you're cutting, um, you're cutting fat as well. And in fact, Everyone, I will include this, a link to it or something in the show notes page. So if you want to do the Dark Knight workout and let me know how it goes for you, I would love to hear about it. Oh. Yeah, that's that's great. The, the tricky thing, it's, it's so interesting that like everybody's metabolism and everybody's body is different. Um, and like I would do circuit routines and all that, but I ended up just not gaining any muscle mass because I, I just – I was – burning so many calories during during it it just kind of i guess canceled it out because i guess i i just need to be like if i'm working out a lot i need to be constantly inhaling protein and food and all that or else my body just like gets rid of it um i think every woman listening hates you right now because <laughs> like, and and i've experienced that i've been in times where i've been working out really heavy and i will eat everything in front of me and the women in my life will just be very, very angry. <laughs> so. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's different for everybody, I guess. I yeah. don't know. 
I know it's not going to be that way forever. I'll tell you that. <laughs> that that is the truth. Uh, when were you working on Charming? And because you said something earlier that piqued my interest, like how long did production take from start to finish? Production on Charming. Um, so take into account this is between you know other jobs and other commitments and other projects and all that. Um, we started shooting. It originally started as a sketch. So we started shooting the sketch, I think, around Thanksgiving of 2014. And the sketch is was going to be just about Charming waking up uh, Snow White. Um, so a lot of that's still in the final short film. But it was shot with, like, a different camera. Um, so if you, I guess if you rewatch it again, you'll notice uh, – you'll just notice it shot with a little camera that's not quite as cinematic. Um so that's we shot that in November, and then after I was done with that, I wanted to make it more about like more like the feature where it had a uh, a theme, a running theme through it, and just kind of make it more like a more like a short film as opposed to just like oh that was a fun little sketch I just watched on the internet. I wanted to, people to watch it and then finish it and be like oh that was that was cool that was that was that was a really nice story. Um, so then we started shooting the rest of it the following spring. And then I shot this stuff with the uh, the kid Lucas Royalty by the tree um, that summer. So, and then I finished editing it in December. So it took about a year production wise, and that's you know in between all of different projects and commitments and jobs and all that. But it really, it also took that long because it was just me doing it because we didn't have you know quite the budget to to outsource like editing or sound mixing and, and, and things like that. Okay, that's interesting. Um, that's awesome that you could, you net like, I'm of the mindset that an object in motion stays in motion. Mm. So I know starting and stopping must have been, I don't know, not ideal or not perfect. But that's awesome that you stuck with it and kept moving forward on it. Yeah, absolutely, and it, and it was interesting too because after. We shot the the stuff in, in the spring, which was the bulk of the short, um, and it's exactly like the feature film. It just it wasn't the feature screenplay we wrote. It, it wasn't working because we didn't encounter Prince Charming right away, and we didn't see what he was going through from his point of view right away. In a feature movie, that might be okay because you have some time to set up the story, the voiceover, and all that, and you have you know an hour and a half, two hours to spend time with your main character and get to know him and get to know his point of view on things, et cetera, et cetera. But in our short, it was going to be, it was, it turns out to be about 16 and a half minutes. Um, so when we got introduced to charming by like the fourth minute, that was already four minutes that, you know, were spent setting up the story, but it just, it wasn't, we didn't see his point of view on the matter right away. So that's when I went back, uh, and talked to Joey, my co-producer and friends, and we developed of having the idea, well, what if we framed it by having Prince Charming recount his, his story and his search for true love to, uh, to the young boy? Um, and so that really, once we shot that and put it together, it worked perfectly. What is next for Charming in terms of um, other you know, short film festivals or are there plans you have with it? Do you still have hopes that you want to maybe someday do a feature of it? Yeah, absolutely. That's that's always uh, going to be the, the ultimate goal. Um, 
I'm waiting on hearing back a couple more festivals, but what the plan is right now is I'm going to launch it online in the next couple months. Uh, it could be sooner. It could be by like uh, December. Uh, I'm just trying to figure out the right outlet uh, to, to, to get it out there. Um, Cause I really, I really would like, some people who, who do, as I'm saying, the industry to be able to get wind of this. And Holly Shorts was amazing and it was a great festival and we got a lot of press because of it. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I'd love for people to find out a little more about this. Um, and then after it's all said and done, kind of use it to help uh, market the, the feature script version of it. Yeah, yeah that'd be great. And it, it, it's not just some like no name short you guys have won a couple of awards am i right yeah 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 we won um in dallas we won uh best comedy short best supporting actor for lucas who who played the who played the boy uh at maryland's international film festival uh where we premiered uh that's the area where uh my friends and family are and where i went to high school we uh were nominated for best short film um so yeah, it's we've been getting an amazing reception, uh, and I think the fact that it is a story and characters that people are familiar with really helps it, and it really kind of intrigues people and grabs them right away uh, because there's a little bit of a hook in it already, which which is which I think really helps. Well, and because you because it it is characters we are all familiar with, you don't need to spend a lot of time budget on backstory. Right. Yeah, we we all know who Prince Charming is. We all know who Cinderella, Snow White, Sleeping Beauty. We all know who they are. So right. that's kind of my thing with all the new Batman movies. I'm like, stop giving <laughs> I was me an just origin. gonna say that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. It's it's uh, people know who they are, and I think the one thing uh, I think I think Hitchcock said it uh, never assume your audience is stupid. You know, your audience doesn't need to be told uh, what things are multiple. Your audience is smarter than you think they are. I think that's well along the lines of what he said. I don't know. He could have made never said that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean, that's one great thing with the short. You can just show uh, a picture of a princess or you could show a girl in a red hood and everybody knows who they are. You don't have to, you know, where are you from? You don't have to ask, you know, or say a million things about the characters. And that's a very good point about the Batman movies. They just love reintroducing characters and then giving the same backstory. Like, uh, how many times has Bruce Wayne's parents died now on camera? Like so many times, <laughs> like four or five times now. Um, and like, you know, how many more times are we going to reboot Spider-Man? But I, I do hope the new Spider-Man's good. I really liked, uh, Tom Holland in civil war. I, I have a lot of good feelings about this. Because Tom Holland, I've said this on the podcast before, he was the first Spider-Man to me that nailed both Peter Parker and Spider-Man. Yeah. And I also think that with who they're announcing uh, cast as Mary Jane, Mm -hmm. I really think they're going to do a really good job with it. Um and if we had video on the podcast right now, you'd see my office is littered with <laughs> Spider-Man posters. Um, I'm a huge Spider-Man fan, so nobody has more hopes and desires for that movie than me. Yeah, absolutely. Well, they're, they they did a great job when, when they casted him because that's I mean that's really the AG is in all the comics and all that. He's he's a young right. young kid in high school, uh, and that's 
one part of what I thought was so appealing about Spider-Man. I mean, he's my favorite superhero too, because he's just so relatable. Yes. Uh, uh, so yeah, I really hope, uh, I really, really hope that they do a good job with this. One. And I think with the new Spider-Man there, they seem to be doing what you, you have done with charming and that you're taking the story, but you're doing something different. Mm-hmm. Whereas the previous Spider-Mans were pretty much just let's cast a different guy. But yeah. here they are moving back to him in high school. He's a little younger, like focusing on him as a kid rather than what they had been doing. Um, so, and again, like you can tell the the basics of a story that we all know. It just has to be done in a different way. That is a hundred percent right. I couldn't have said it better myself. Well, yeah, and they're and what I'm excited about is they're not doing an origin story. Like we're jumping yeah. right in. Peter Parker has powers. You all know how he got them. Yeah. So. Anyways, I'm now see now I'm super excited. I just want to like fast forward <laughs> until this movie gets here. When does it when does it come out? Uh May, June 2017. So Okay. Not too far away. I mean, a little less than a year. Nice. Is there anything that you have going on or like an internal mantra or something that keeps you going, that gets you up in the morning that you're like, you know, to overcome all obstacles to get things done? Yes, it's another quote. I don't know who said it. I don't think it was Alfred Hitchcock. (laughs) Um, But it was, it's not like something I repeat to myself, but it's something that, you know, is always, uh, I don't have it hung up in my room or anything. I actually have a Walt Disney quote hung up in my room. It's, if you can dream it, you can do it. But that's not the one that, like, gets me going. Um, The one that gets me going is, you may not be as talented as everybody else, but you can work harder than everybody else. I think it's something along those lines. I don't know who said it, but that I think is so true. Um, and of course you run the risk of, you know, grinding yourself into the ground and everybody needs to take a break. But, uh, but yeah, that's one thing you can control. You can always work hard. You can, it's, it's not easy to get to where you want to be. Uh, and you may not get to where you want to be, but, if you can look back at the end of the day and say, Hey, that was a day well spent or that was a year well spent and you have something to show for it. That's really what matters. I think. Yeah. And that's, that's so true. Uh, I actually just thought of this. It's completely different from your motto, but every morning (laughs) as I I leave my, my room, I'll slap the door frame and just go, don't suck today. Oh, that's great. (laughs) Is that from a movie? That sounds like it's from a movie. I want to say a football team did it or something, but I think theirs was like, be great today. Yeah. There's <laughs> something that Notre Dame has it, like that, that everybody like touches it. They have some quote that all the football team touches that was in like Rudy or something. I don't know if that's what it is. I don't think it's nearly as self-deprecating as don't <laughs> suck today. <laughs> yeah. I don't think that they would have that in a, in a Catholic university. <laughs> But you know, some days you can't be great. Some days you just have yeah, to get by. It's, true. it's very true. Some days you just suck. Uh, <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, that's that's. No. I like that one. That's really good. Yeah. Do you really say that every day when you hit your door? At least once. Oh, that's <laughs> like it, it. It may not be right when I get up, but definitely yeah. at some point during the day, whether I'm coming home from work or something, I'll just do a quick little tap and be like, "Don't suck today." Oh, that's good. <laughs> I like it. What if it's too late? Like, what if you've already kind of sucked? 
<laughs> you said it yet. Don't suck tomorrow. <laughs> and, that's great. It's it's that's another thing that I love is just whatever happened today, leave it in today. Yeah. And like if if if, if you suck today, don't let that affect tomorrow. But yeah. on the same token, if you kicked if you just destroyed today, if you did if you're just awesome today, don't rest on that tomorrow. Yeah, exactly. you still got to work hard the next day. Oh. It's it's true, and, and it's it's tough to do that. You know, it's tough to to forget, you know, and leave the past where it is, and and all that. It's a very tough thing to do, but um, it's an absolute, you know, necessity, and you gotta you gotta try to do it. I guess for sure. Um, so let's. Where is the next place people can see charming? Is it going to be at any more festivals? I'm waiting to hear back from a few. Um, I'm not sure what the next screening is going to be, uh, but regardless, it's going to be online in the next couple of months, free for for everybody to watch. Uh, I'm just not sure what um, platform we're going to be premiering it on. And people can still find it on BitPix. Can they? I'm not quite sure. I don't think they can anymore. Okay. That's a bummer because I was going to be like, oh, I'm going to go downstairs right now and watch it with my wife because she hasn't seen it yet and I think she'd enjoy oh. it. Okay, well... Regardless... All right, here's... I can put it... What I'll do is I'll... Um, for the next... For like the next couple of days or the next week or, or, or whatever, I'll just have it up on the website so you, without like a password so people can watch it. I should have left it on BitPix. I don't know why I took it... Why I asked them to take it up. I think what they did is they had it up for the festival and then after that they took it down. Yeah, I think they took down um, a good chunk of the ones that were up there. There are still there are still some, but it, it was less than half last time I logged yeah. in. But uh, but yeah, I can I can totally uh, you know put it up uh, for people to watch when you guys you know put up the podcast and all that. So Tom, beyond charming, do you have any other upcoming projects, or are you focusing on this right now? I do, I do. Um, <clears throat> what we are working on now. So I shot with two friends who I have a production company with, uh, Francisco Froze and Tiago Felizardo. I went to school with them in New York City. We shot a comedy series called No Actor Parking. And <clears throat> what it's about is it's The Office meets Entourage if everybody in Entourage <laughs> wasn't successful. <laughs> so okay. it's, a bunch, it's a bunch of actors, managers, casting directors, and so forth. Everybody in the industry trying to get to the top. Uh, and trying to figure out what what you'll do to get to the top. Um, and I play, we the three of us, we direct, we write, and, and produce it. And I play uh, a wannabe power agent. His name is Sam Sullivan. He is uh, an absolute jerk, but he is so funny. And I, he's, I could play that role until I die and be live a fulfilled life. Um, <clears throat> and so he he's kind of like, he wants to be a... a, a the top eight. He wants to be like Ari Gold from, from Entourage pretty much. Um, but he's not very good at his job, even though he thinks he is. So what we're doing with that right now is we shot three episodes of 10 minutes each, uh, which are up online right now. So you can just go to noactorparking.com and watch those if you want to check those out. And we just raised uh, some money on Kickstarter. We had a successful crowdfunding campaign to shoot um, five more 20-minute episodes with, with a bigger budget. Um and the goal is to shoot those episodes in November to have ready for pilot season. And then in pilot season, we're going to kind of shop it around uh, to see if any networks or, 
online platforms, distribution platforms are interested in um, purchasing the show. That's awesome. And you said that that is, it's the title of the show, noactorparking.com? That is it. Yeah, no actor parking, awesome. and they're at noactorparking.com. You can watch them there. And as usual, that is going to be available through the show notes page. So everyone, awesome, click on over and watch that. Yes. Yeah, so, yeah. So that, and then I have a couple other, you know, scripts and, and ideas I'm working on. Uh, I really want to. The goal is to tackle a, a feature film next year. So I have two that I'm working on. One, it looks like, is going to be more realistic to make as a, as a first feature. So it's kind of like Troll Hunter meets uh, an American werewolf in London. Uh, I don't want to say exactly what it's about because it's an easy idea for somebody else to, to go and make. Um, but I mean, it's you've kinda... already piqued my interest with that description. So. <laughs> <laughs> uh, whatever it is. Yeah, it's like a horror... It's a horror... Those those two movies were. It took me a long time to kind of get to those two movies because they're horror movies, but they're also a bit of bit of uh, there's a bit of comedy to them, and there's also some found footage in Troll Hunter. So it kind of blends those three things together. Um, so the goal is to to shoot that next year. Uh, it's going to be you know chaos, you know, because we're going to have to go to investors and the business side of it's going to be pretty tricky to, to navigate, but Hey, I'm interested in doing it. It's a story I want to tell. I'll try to make it happen. Yeah. And anything we can do to help with that, definitely keep me in the loop uh, totally. and let us know. Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. Thank you. Absolutely. Anytime. Um, so it's almost time is almost up. I had a cu- last couple questions for you. Sure. Do you have a go-to app or a resource that helps you either when you're working out, work out, you already said bodybuilding.com or helps you shoot movies, get movies made, write. Like, what do you use? What helps you? Like, a, like an app for like my phone? Yeah. App, resource, website, um, oh, program, okay. anything, anything that helps you get whatever it is you need to get done, done. What I do, <laughs> this is like so not what you're thinking. Uh, text edit on my on my MacBook. Uh, it's like the Microsoft Word without paying for Microsoft Word. I throw. <clears throat> I have so many things of this. I have like so when I work out, I'll go on my phone and I'll keep track of everything I do because I want to. I'm sure there's an app for this. I just haven't downloaded the app. This is so stupid. But I just write down, you know, how many reps, set, weight, all that. And I keep track of it. So it's just like a log. It's basically as if I just had a notebook and I was writing it down. Um, but hey, if you know an app that would help me get rid of using that on my notes on, on my iPhone, that'd be amazing. I will I will send you some resources. The number, okay. the, the, awesome. the number one app I use to keep track of workouts is called Fitocracy. Okay. And, and it actually um, makes it sort of like a game because you get points based on what you lift. And oh, nice. You, and you can level up. Nice. Um, and there's a social media aspect, but I kind of ignore that. Um, although I have gone a little old school this past couple weeks, and I've decided to start leaving my phone in the car, and I'm going back to physical notebook and paper for right now. Oh, wow. Nice. Yeah. I, I found myself getting too distracted checking Facebook, responding to text messages. And I was like, this, I, I can't do this. I need, when I'm in the gym, I need to focus on being in the gym. 
Yeah, it's so tough. Even even when I'm writing, it's the same thing. It's like it's so easy just to minimize a window and go on Facebook or Twitter and just see what's going on, uh, see everybody else procrastinating. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, yeah. I, I think in terms of like writing and stuff, I I have to be listening to music. Same thing with the workout. Like music is, I, I need to be listening to it, or else I just can't either get involved <clears throat> in the workout or get involved in. <clears throat> like the world of the story I'm telling. So I have Spotify like premium now and it's amazing. I just can listen to, to whatever I want. I'm not being paid to say that by the way. Uh, <laughs> I wish I was. Is there a particular genre or artist that really helps you write? Right. Yes. I always listen to movie scores. <clears throat> okay. Us what same. I'm, yeah. 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 I, I love it. I'm listening to, this is such a random one. I've never seen the movie. But uh, one of the one of the scripts I'm writing is a it's like a family comedy like Ratatouille meets Elf a little bit like a little bit like charming tonally. Okay. Uh, I've been listening to the soundtrack for Leap Year that movie with Amy Adams. <laughs> yeah. I've never never seen the movie, but it came up on my Spotify and I'm listening to the soundtrack and the soundtrack's really really good. Uh, so I've been listening to that recently. But yeah, I love any cinematic score really. That's awesome. But Spotify is great for that because there are already people who have gone through and put all of the movie music that you want in these massive playlists. So, Mm -hmm. you know, you just Google like, okay, I need epic music for an action adventure movie. And you can find a playlist where somebody has put a thousand songs from the scores on there. You're like, well, great. Now I can just sit down for three hours. It's amazing. It's it's an amazing resource. I would totally recommend it to to everybody. Technology is awesome nowadays. Yeah, it really is. <laughs> so speaking of, where can people connect with you or Charming or any of the other projects you're working on or going to start working on? You already mentioned no actor parking. Yes. So let's make it easy for everybody. <clears throat> um, for no actor parking, go to... Probably the best bet for that would be to go to Facebook. It's just and just no extra parking on Facebook. Um, for charming, the web our char- the charming website has everything on it. So just go to charmingshortfilm.com and that has everything. You'll you'll see where the Facebook is, where the Twitter is, the trailer, info, pictures, news, all that. So charmingshortfilm.com um, and then no extra parking. Uh, you can go to the Facebook page or just go to noactorparking.com as well. And everything will be right there. Excellent. Excellent. Then we will make sure to get everyone over there to check out your stuff. Awesome. And finally, to cap things off, what parting advice do you have for everyone out there listening to the podcast? Parting advice. Well, uh, it would kind of be what I said earlier. It would be to 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 make your own stuff and and do your best to get it out there it's not easy doing it especially when you're doing it with very limited resources um but it's so rewarding and you learn so much like i could have read and i have like i've read so many books so many articles everything watched so many movies but nothing taught me more than making one with the resources that I had available to me and around me. And it's great to know that charming now exists because I wanted it to exist. And I, you know, put the, put the wheels in motion on that. So that's, that's really what I I, I would say to everybody. That's excellent. And I, I stress that 
Um, whenever I'm giving a panel on something, whenever I'm talking to people about the podcast, it's at, you know, everybody has a podcasting studio in their pocket. Everybody has a movie studio in their pocket. You've got a cell phone. It's got a camera. It's got a microphone. Go out, make a movie. Absolutely. And then go out and make a better one. Exactly. That's, you hit it right on the nose. You hit it right on the nose. Go out and make something. The next one you do, make it better and keep going from there. Absolutely. All right. Tom, thank you very much for being here today. Loved having you. Loved laughing with you. Loved having this awesome conversation. So thank you so much. Of course. Thank you, Kenneth. I really, really appreciate it. And Rachel, thank you for playing co-host. Thank you for letting me, Kenny. <laughs> Thank you, Rachel. Thank you, Tom. All right, everyone. This has been another episode of the Dumbbells and Dragons podcast. We hope you liked it. We hope you check out Charming. Go check out Charming. It's awesome. And we'll catch you on the next one. Workout Nerd Out. Thank you for listening to the Dumbbells and Dragons podcast. Please leave us a review on iTunes as well as a rating. We would definitely appreciate it. And while you're at it, follow us on all social media at Dumbbells Dragon. That includes Pinterest, Tumblr, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, Periscope, and Snapchat. Until next time, work out, nerd out.